Amen. Well, good morning again. Welcome to One Hope. You're online today. Welcome this morning to you. I'm glad we get to do this together. I'm excited today because we have some different things going on. We're going to celebrate baptisms. We're actually going to do it right in the middle of my message. I've never actually done this before. We'll see how it goes. But I think baptism is a perfect picture of what I'm going to speak about today. So we thought, let's do that right in the middle. And then we're going to finish today with communion. Now, if you didn't get uh, a communion, um, kind of set here on the way in, feel free. I'm not going to be upset at you. If you got to go back to the doors to grab one real quick, fantastic. Online, you can get ready for them. But we're going to celebrate that today because we're doing that as we celebrate Palm Sunday, right? This is a big deal. We're headed into Holy Week. This is a big week for Christianity as we head into Good Friday. Then, of course, Easter next Sunday that Bill was talking about. I'm just excited to celebrate that day with you because this is the week we remember those kind of last, um, the last days before Jesus gives himself to us. Now, if you're new to One Hope, I want to kind of tell you something. It's just little. It's just a unique thing for this place, but I want to let you know about it. Outside this worship center in the hallways, you may have noticed as you've, if you've come in, walked around a little bit, that there are metal artwork pieces. These are one-of-a-kind pieces. They're nowhere else in the world they are. They're out there, and what they are are the stations of the cross, or the journey that Jesus took, we talk about during Holy Week. And so I'm telling you this because maybe, maybe this is a week that you'd want to get your mind, your heart, your soul ready for what all this is. And so, and so what they are is they start out to my right, your left in that lobby. And there's a cross there with brochures be, beside it. And it's a scripture reference for each station as you walk through. Kind of allows you through scripture, once again, to prepare yourself. And so I'm telling you about it this week because Maybe you want to come in during, uh, before or after work, or you want to come in during lunch, or you just, you want to stop by whenever the office is open. If you just want to kind of engage in a different way this Holy Week, this Palm Sunday through Easter, feel free. That's just kind of a unique thing we have here. Now, uh, today we're going to finish up a series that we've been in. It's called Defining Moments. I want to thank James and Calicus. They shared the past two weeks, kind of took those two weeks off, and they shared Defining Moment. This series, if you've not been a part of it with us, it, it's been a journey, a conversation about experiences that people had with Jesus. And these experiences, of course, changed their lives. Because when you experience Jesus, something has to happen, right? And so these stories have been about defining moments in people's lives. Now, I want to have this conversation because I wanted them to be kind of an encouragement to you. To maybe encourage you to maybe remind you of what Jesus meant to so many people in the scriptures. And maybe through this, hear me, maybe through this, you will once again be wowed by the person that we've given our life to. Because I think potentially what happens is that when we follow Jesus for some time, all of this can begin to feel, can we call it normal? It can become just 
a thing? And we lose that wow factor. Like when we follow Jesus for years, it becomes like we, we forget the amazing part of what it means to follow this person, Jesus. We, we forget how amazing Jesus is himself. And so maybe through these stories, something's been stirred in us. Maybe through these stories, something is inspiring to us that maybe we want to experience that same thing with Jesus. And this is the incredible part of every one of these stories. They're not stories of who Jesus was. They're stories of who Jesus is and how he still wants to connect with you. So every one of these, if you have missed some, you want to go back, and including today, Jesus hasn't changed. He still wants to have these conversations, these experiences with you. And so let's get to our last defining moment, and this one's a little bit different than any other one that I've spoken about because it had a chance to be a defining moment in someone's life but maybe it didn't turn out the way Jesus had hoped it would. We're just not sure, honestly. We actually don't know the end of the story, but let's get to it. We're gonna go to a familiar passage, John chapter three. If you got your Bibles, you got your phones, you can follow on the screen with me. Let me read John chapter three with you today. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus hears this and he replies, well, truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the second time into the mother's womb to be born. Well, Jesus answered, truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. See, see, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. Well, you're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, when we speak of what we know, we testify to what we've seen, but you still, you people, do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe, then how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, 
But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will come into the light for fear, for their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. John chapter 3. So, this morning, I want you to do something. We do this regularly around here. If you're part of One Hope, you'll know. I think it's important as we read Scripture that we leave the seat we're in and try to go sit in the seat of this passage. So if you're online. I don't care where you're sitting in this room. Leave this seat, and I want you to pretend you're Nicodemus. I want you to put yourself in that seat. You are Nicodemus. You are wealthy, you are revered. You are powerful. This is a good start, right? You can sit in the seat. You're, you're, you're wealthy. You're revered. You're powerful in the Jewish world. Wherever you go, people want you to give direction. They want you to give answers. They, they look to you as the wisest person in the room. You are setting the standards or, or the rules for the multitudes. People count on that. Now, you have spent many years getting into this position. The seat you sit in, it didn't happen overnight. It took many, many years. You were chosen as a young boy to go learn under a respected rabbi. Now your intellect, now your understanding of Scripture has launched you above people your age. You just get it. And so now... You're a leader of leaders. Your parents are so proud of you because no position is more honored than the one you were in in the Jewish world. Maybe your life isn't perfect, but it's close. And if you're sitting in this seat, this is a great seat to sit in. Now, as a Jewish leader, your job is to protect and correct any false teachings that may come into your circle. Anything that would go against the Jewish law. And this happens from time to time. This can happen from time to time from what maybe you call street preachers. They come in and they're bold and they're loud and they create a little bit of a movement and they get people to follow them. Now, you've seen these preachers, they come and they go. Maybe sometimes you have to maybe reprimand them or tell them you're going to force them out of town if they stir it up too much, but the reality is they come and they go. You know they don't speak the truth, so they're not really a threat to the Jewish establishment. But one day, one day you get word of this new street preacher at least that's what you think he is. But people keep talking about him. People keep talking about him. And this is nothing new, but you've got to keep your eye on it. But the problem with this one is, as people are talking about it, this isn't going away. Like, it's not like the other ones where it's a come and go. This one is starting to work a swell. It started, people are starting to follow, and then you start hearing something that's really important. He's performing miracles. You start hearing about people being healed from the blind. 
lepers, paralyzed. And this isn't normal, and so you're intrigued. You're intrigued because miracles can only come from one place. You know that. You know that miracles can only come from God. So you begin to wonder. You begin to wonder, is there something different about this man named Jesus? No, there can't be. There can't be something different, but there you are confused. There you are, you're confused because these things just can't happen by anyone. So you're thinking, what if? No, you're wondering what if because you know the scriptures. You know that one day the Messiah is going to come back. You know what the Old Testament prophets say. You know that the Messiah is going to come and rescue us. We've been waiting so long. And when you wait that long, you think it's never going to happen. I mean, generation after generation has been waiting for this Messiah. And is this him? But no. But there you are wondering, what if? So this is what you do. You set up a meeting. You set up a meeting at night because you don't want to alert anyone and you don't maybe want to be seen with him. I mean, you are a leading Pharisee, and if people saw this, does it say something about you? Does it give it credit about this person? You don't want to take that chance, so you set up the meeting at night. And this is what, at least how I picture, how we get to John chapter 3. It doesn't happen by accident. Something has gotten, gone on to get us to this pivotal moment, this well-known moment in Scripture. And then you see the interaction. You see Jesus bringing the truth to Nicodemus and what's required of him. Can you imagine what that meeting felt like? It's, it's nighttime. It's dark. There, there's candles or there's lamps that are carrying around and there's just a flicker of light almost to go unnoticed. Can you picture that meeting? And Jesus is telling Nicodemus, this Pharisee, you must be born again. And this is such a confusing statement. I mean, this isn't the language of the Jewish people, is it? Nicodemus is confused. Be born again? And Jesus continues to explain to him, everyone's born of flesh, but you have to be reborn in the Spirit. You have to be reborn in God to experience everything that God has for you, everything that your whole life you've wanted, you can't settle for this earth has given you. No, in order to receive everything that God's given, you have to get rid of this old life and you have to take on this new life that God wants to give you. That's what it's going to take. Now understand this. Now we're back in this room together. Understand this. This portion of Scripture makes complete sense to you. John 3, 16, the chapter of John 3 makes sense to you because you've been brought up, even if you're not in church, this could even be your very first day, you kind of heard the works of Jesus. You kind of get the Jesus thing. But once again, this is new to Nicodemus. Think like you're him again. 
the essence of your salvation has been built on the law, right? The Jewish law. It's been built on rules. Your ability to be saved is completely found in these rules. Your whole life is then centered around these rules, yeah? Picture yourself as Nicodemus. Everything is built on this. Now, Jesus is looking at him. He's looking at him in the eyes. And the flicker of the light is happening. He's like, but no, you need to be born again. The law will not save you. Your morals will not save you. You being the strictest person in the world for following rules is not going to save you because of that famous verse that, I mean, you've just, you've seen it in sports. You see it spoken by people that you just like, I didn't know they even knew the Bible, but you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Your Nicodemus, remember, Jesus just said, this is how you get eternal life. Not the way you've been living, not the choices you've made, Everything you've sacrificed for life, your prestige, it's not going to get you. Once again, this verse that makes so much sense in 2021 was revolutionary the night of Nicodemus and Jesus meeting together. And what's happening is Nicodemus is forced to evaluate everything in his life. Have you ever had that moment? Forced to evaluate everything in his life. If what Jesus is saying is true, it changes everything. If what Jesus is saying is true, it's a defining moment. If what Jesus is saying is true, it truly will change every facet of his life. Everything his life touches. His standing in the Jewish world would change. His relationships will change. His status will change. His wealth will change. His moral superiority will change. His future, his goals, his dreams, they'll all change. What he thought was truth will change. This is no little conversation. Even if you've been brought up Knowing this conversation, it is not a little conversation. If this conversation is true, it changes everything about this man's life. So we have this moment where Nicodemus is going to have to choose. Will I decide to buy into this truth that Jesus is saying and change my life or not? Will he be born again or not? And here's the problem, like I said earlier. We don't exactly know what that answer is. In every other story, I was able to give you the ending. I can't give you the ending. I don't know if Nicodemus accepts this message of Jesus or not. Was this a defining moment or not? We see a couple other times that Nicodemus has talked about, and you see there's some affinity towards Jesus. There's, there's some sort of casual maybe something there, but I don't know if he changed himself completely. See, in order for Nicodemus to be born again, 
he would have to completely alter who he was. He could not be a Pharisee anymore. Well, if you're not a Pharisee, no big deal, but you're Nicodemus this morning, right? You've got to change everything that makes you who you think you are. He couldn't go on with life the way he always has. He couldn't just take, here's a big one, he couldn't just take this message of Jesus and then apply it to his already established life. That's not how the message of Jesus works. Unfortunately, that is what we do sometimes. We take the message of Jesus, apply it to me, and then I move on into my already established life. No, Jesus is saying to him, to be born again, the old life is gone and the rebirth of new life has to happen. So what I picture is not a casual conversation. I picture tension, tension. I picture angst. I picture this like tug of war, this, this being torn in two different directions. That's what, how I picture this moment in scripture. What's he going to do about his life? I wish I knew the end of the story. I wish I could say with clarity exactly what happened. But I can't. But this is why I tell you this story and what I can tell us for sure. I've told you to act or think like Nicodemus this morning. The reality is we are Nicodemus. We are Nicodemus because that conversation that Jesus had with him that night is the same conversation that he's wanting to have with us. In order to experience and receive the kingdom of God, we must be born again. Our, our, our life in the flesh must be put to death in order for rebirth to happen. Hear me, for some of you in this room, I don't mean this to be an insult at all, I just want to bring the truth out of the scripture, is you are a great person. When people look at you, they respect you. You're trying to do the right things in life. You're, you're a good husband, you're a good wife, you're a good parent, you're a good friend, you're generous, you, 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 you try to treat people the way you want to be treated. But unfortunately for us, this story doesn't let that be the answer. Unfortunately for us, that's not what Jesus asked of Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus was all those things. And honestly, he was better than you and me. He was better. And there Jesus is saying, you got to make a decision. And hear me, this decision isn't just about believing in Jesus. Hear me, Scripture talks about even the enemy believes in Jesus. This isn't just about believing in Jesus. It's about the rebirth in the work of Jesus. You hear me? It's not just about believing in, but it's, it's about a rebirth that happens in the work of Jesus. I want to tell you today, and this may shake some things, that I think people can believe in Jesus and not be reborn in Jesus. I think sometimes the problem is we stop at belief and we don't receive all that God is trying to do 
in our life. Because to be born again is this, tran- this transaction that happens of my life for the life that you have for me, God. I think this conversation Jesus has with Nicodemus gives us a picture of exactly what Jesus is asking from his followers. To be born again is to say goodbye to one life and to say hello to a new. To leave behind the old and to take on this this new life that's given to me in the Spirit. This is what truly a message from Jesus, a life change from Jesus has to be. Because see, this isn't the only time that Jesus talks about this. You know that? This isn't the only time. This is a theme throughout Jesus' life. Look at Matthew 16. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Listen, whoever wants to save their life, they'll lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. Death to an old life, new life received. This is the same conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. And we have to wrestle with this the same way Nicodemus had to wrestle with it. If we want to be born again, Jesus says, you've got to accept what I'm giving. It's not just applying a belief of me on your already life. It's about being born again, old life being gone, new life in the Spirit happening. There should be tension in this because we like to rebuild our life or we like to build our life on things that we want. And once again, Nicodemus' life was great and now Jesus is calling him out. Your life is built on the wrong foundation. You're really good, but that's not what this is about. The tug of war happens in life. Which side is going to win? The life that you've already built or the life that Jesus wants to give us? I think Jesus is asking you and me today, will you be born again or will you keep the life that you already have? It starts with believing Believing who Jesus was. But then it's about that death. And that's why this morning I said, right in the middle of my message, we were going to go to baptisms. And, and, and the screen's going to go up, and behind it you're going to see these people who, they have decided to give their life in the way Nicodemus has talked. These five people, we've had conversations, we've led today, you've given your life to Jesus. I thought, what's a better way to illustrate this story of Nicodemus than to say, this is what it is. When you are baptized, you are lowered into this water saying this fleshly life, this old life is put to death. And then alive in Christ, are these, pe- are these people perfect? They're not. But they are deciding that their life isn't their own. They want their life to be Jesus. And James, I'll pass it on to you. 
All right. Well, as Pastor Scott said, uh, those that are going to be baptized today, um, they have already met with us. They've met with Pastor Scott and with Amber, and they've expressed um, their faith in Jesus. But we're going to—we want them to be able to do that for you too. Um, so I'm going to invite Emma to come on down. And as Emma is coming, I just want to remind you a little bit about how we do baptisms here. Um, baptism is not somber; it's a celebration. And so the first thing that I want them to hear as they come out of the water is our cheers. You want to give, give the entire group just a practice cheer right now. We do that one, two, three. All right. You tell everyone your name. Emma. Emma. Emma Case. Yes. All right, Emma, um, you've already met with us. Um, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, your Lord and Savior, and your one hope for life? Yes. Um, are you willing to follow him with your life and become more like Jesus every day? Yes. All right, well, let's baptize you. Emma Case, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. everybody your full name? John McClellan. Now John you met with us. Um, do you believe uh, that Jesus is Son of God, your Lord and Savior, and your one hope for life? I do. Um, are you willing to follow him and become more like Jesus every day? I do, yes. You want to tell anybody, tell everybody a little bit why you want to be baptized today? I um, have had a struggle in my past in my life of just sins, just temptation and things like that and um I was actually riding down McFarland Boulevard and saw the sign that says One Hope. And it's just amazing how Jesus Christ is our living hope and our giving hope. And how just you can be lost and then be found. And that one hope is being found by a church and by God Himself. And I couldn't make it through this without Calicus and the college group. And I'm just, I'm happy to know God and be found by God. John, we're glad to have you as part of our family and glad to have Kalikas right here. You're proud, man. I know you are. All right, John McClellan, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All right, I'm going to tell everybody your full name. Um, I'm Ashlyn Ashcraft. Ashlyn, um, do you believe that Jesus is Son of God, your Lord and Savior, and your one hope for life? Yes. Are you willing to follow Him and become more like Jesus every day? Yes. you want to tell the congregation a little bit more why you want to be baptized today? Um, so when I was a little girl, I got saved, and for whatever reason, I never got baptized, and life went on, and in my late high school years and early college years, my relationship with Jesus kind of came to a standstill until I met my husband Tanner, and he encouraged me and pushed me to seek God and grow in my relationship. So I started praying and picking up my Bible more, and when Jesus is at the center of my life, I just feel so at peace. And I know that all of my sins are forgiven, and I just didn't want to miss another opportunity to get baptized and declare my love for the Lord. Amen. Amen.
Baptism is a special commitment, and it's never too late um, to have this experience. Ashland Ashcraft, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're ready to go. All right, you're going to tell everybody your full name. Andrew Glasgow. Andrew, uh, do you believe in that Jesus is the Son of God, your Lord and Savior, and your one hope for life? Yes, sir. Are you willing to follow him with your life and become more like Jesus every day? Yes, sir. All right. You want to tell the congregation why you want to be baptized today? Um, because I want everyone to know that I believe in Jesus, and I want to live, live the rest of my life for him. Amen. Amen. And Andrew Glasgow, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Piper, I'm going to tell everybody your full name. Piper James. Um, Piper, do you believe in Jesus as, as the Son of God, your Lord and Savior, and your one hope for life? Yes, sir. Are you willing to follow him and become more like Jesus every day? Yes, sir. All right. I've heard that you want to tell the congregation a little bit about why you want to be baptized today. Well, because in the middle of 2020, as times grew harder and I grew older and I realized how much I was really going to need Jesus in my life um, and to succeed, I really tried my best to get closer to him. I would read my Bible every day. But it just didn't work out, and I ended up failing, and I gave up. But then, towards the end of the year, I tried again, and I kept on trying. And now I'm here today, and I'm getting baptized. Think she's ready? I think she is. All right. Piper Jones, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus. Is that, is that the way it's going to be? Be, be. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. That was me, I think, that time. You have to be born again. I love these, because you see the investment in the next generation. You know, we love doing that here. We see people as they get a little older and they're realizing, I can't do life on my own. This is the message of Jesus to Nicodemus. Listen, you've been living your life a certain way. It's not going to work. You've got to be born again. You're going to receive a lot of messages in your life. The most important message that you will receive is that you can't do life without Jesus, but when you accept Jesus, it changes your life. It doesn't say, stay the same. Can I tell you this this morning? If your life stays the same after you give it to Jesus, we've got a problem. Because Jesus changes everything about us. I mean, it's not just behavioral modification. I mean, like he changes how we approach life. He changes how we handle every situation. It's the peace that comes with it. It's the joy that comes with it. It's the, it's the discipline that comes with it. It's the, I want to do life differently. That's what happens in this. So Jesus has the conversation with Nicodemus and says, hey, listen, you're pretty awesome in life as you know it. But that's not what this is about. 
And so when we talk about being born again, it's accepting that Jesus did the exact same thing that he has called us to do. He gave up his life. He gave up his life so we could experience new life. But in order to receive this new life, we have to be born again. That's just what scripture says. We have to be willing to take the step that we don't know if Nicodemus actually took to say, Jesus, my life is yours. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for the way my life has been lived. Forgive me for being a, going against the life that you've called me to. It's being willing to say, I don't care what I have to give up. I want to experience a new life, a rebirth in what you have for me. This is the test Nicodemus was in. Would he give up what he had built his life on? So today, I just want to put it in your hands. Have you been born again? Have you found this new life in Jesus that he wants to give you? Or let me pose another question. Maybe you've given your life, but are there things that God is still speaking to you, saying, I need you to continue to give over things as I show you? And maybe there's been some conviction in your life recently that you've tried to kind of like bat away. I don't want want to hear this. I want to hold on. Is there anything that you're holding on to that will hold you back from experiencing the full kingdom of God the way he is offering it? So we're going to take communion today. And this question is going to be on you. Where's life right now? You hear me? Where's life right now? Have you been born again and you celebrate this because it's like, thank you, Jesus for what you've done for me, but even in the midst of that, is there some place he's still speaking to you that he's asking you to die to yourself and continue to find this new life in him? Or maybe the truth is this morning, you haven't given your life to Jesus. You've heard about it. You maybe have grown up in church. This has been put for you before. This is not a new message. But maybe today there's something that is pulling you because the Holy Spirit, that's what he does. He draws us to himself. And maybe today is the day where you're like, I want to give my life to Jesus. And so I don't want, that the, I don't want to let this moment pass. So this one I ask you, can you just bow your heads for a second? whatever is next will come. Can you live in this moment right now? Is there anybody in this room today that you would say, Scott, I do want to give my life to Jesus. I do want to give my life. And just by raising your hand, would you, is there anybody, I want to give my life to Jesus to experience rebirth. Or maybe there's someone in this room that says, God has been poking at me, convicting me. There is something he's asking me to give up that I haven't. But today, I just want to give up to God and say, I will give this up. And just raising your hand this morning, say, Scott, you pray for me. Because God is asking me to give something up. And so pray with me. 
God, will you forgive me? God, when I've wanted to do life just the way I wanted to do it, but I know you've died on the cross for me, and I give you my life today. Maybe for a first time I give you my life, or I give you my life again, or a part of my life, because you are still trying to do a work in me. So God, will you continue to speak to the people you love so much? This morning, we take this, this bread. In scriptures, it says that you take this bread because we remember what Jesus did. Can I tell you, if we don't remember what Jesus did, then we will lose the wow factor. It can be something that just was, but not relevant to is. And can I tell you today, Everything Jesus did is as powerful today as it was when it first happened. And today, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you take this bread as a symbol of his body broken for you because he loves you, because he gave you his body for you. And will you receive that today with gladness? And take it together in remembrance. And as Jesus speaking to his disciples, telling them to remember him, he's like, hey, when you take this, take this juice. This is my body not only broken, but the blood that's streaming down for you. And when I remember this, I think of pain. I think of agony. I think of being hurt. I think of the weight of the world. I think of just everything just rushing through him of, he didn't want to do this, but his father called him to. But this is what I know. Jesus would do it again and again and again if he had to, but he doesn't because he did it. And his blood that's poured down is for you to live in the forgiveness that can only come through him. And so this morning, If there's still something between you and God, there's still a, uh, there's always an opportunity. God, forgive me. I want to be right with you. He doesn't bring shame. He doesn't bring guilt. He just brings forgiveness. And when we take this, we get to remember the deep, deep forgiveness that is your life. You can be born again not because of any rule, any law, or anything you did. It's because he said God sent his son to die for you so you can have eternal life with him. So you take that this morning and will you remember. I know John 3 is not an unfamiliar verse for those who are have been brought up in the church. But sometimes when we reread a story and we throw ourselves in the story, God just brings something new out of it for us. And I, my prayer today is that you would see that conversation as a pivotal conversation in Nicodemus' life, and that would be a pivotal conversation for your life. And may it change, not just your today, but your forever, because you 
can be born again in Jesus. And we're going to end in worship today, just celebrating that. But can we pray together again, just thanking God. God, what else could we ask for than a Savior who says, I'll give you myself completely? To set the example of what I, you're asking from us to give ourselves away. And I pray, God, for everybody watching online today. Everyone in this room today, may we be people who every day say, God, I'm giving my life up so I can receive the life you've given me. And may we receive the kingdom of God the way Jesus came to give it. God, on Palm Sunday, we remember this is when it all went down. Your son Jesus comes into the city declaring this message and some people applauded and some people began to plot to kill. But God, all of this was in your will. And I just say thank you today. And God, may we never take that for granted. It's your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we end in worship today?